From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, it is Columbus Day, and all those indigenous people should be thankful for Christopher Columbus. Why is that? Well, we'll talk about it a little bit later with author and historian Bill Federer, host of The American Minute. Thousands of travelers on Southwest Airlines were grounded over the weekend, something that some say may be happening to the economy very soon if the vaccine mandate goes forward. The airline canceled more than 1,000 flights over the weekend. Cancellations continue today with 360 flights canceled and another 1,056 delayed as of this afternoon. Southwest first blamed the canceled flights on weather, then said it was poor planning and external operational challenges, end quote. But it was not employees calling in sick because of the vaccine mandate, or was it? We'll talk about it with Cheryl Chumley, online editor at uh, The Washington Times. Also, we'll be joined by the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs, he'll weigh on it in on this as well. And 60 members of Congress are asking Attorney General Merrick Garland for the justification of responding to the National School Board Association's claim that parents outraged over the indoctrination of their children in government schools are the equivalent to, to domestic terrorists for showing up at these school board meetings and speaking out. We'll talk with one of those members, Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale will join us later here on Washington Watch. Also, how are local and state school boards responding to parents questioning whether or not they agree with the National School Board Association that uh, engaged parents on, uh, or rather called parents activities uh, equivalent to domestic terrorists? The Biden administration just said we are domestic terrorists. This board should pass a resolution tonight condemning the Department of Justice for trying to intimidate and cancel parents. That was a scene at Fairfax County School Board meeting last week when parent John Coca challenged the board. We'll explore how parents are and should respond to the FBI, to the, to the Attorney General, with FRC's Meg Kilgannon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it all later right there. And let me remind you, uh, Pray Vote Stand, the summit, was last week. And you can find all of the speakers, all of the panels archived at PrayVoteStand.org. It was really good, so you might want to go check it out. All right, as I mentioned, and maybe you experienced it, thousands of travelers on Southwest Airlines were grounded over the weekend as their cancellations and delays stretched into today. What's going on? Joining me now is Cheryl Chumley. She's online opinion editor at The Washington Times, author of Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. Cheryl, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So uh, what's going on here? Um, We reached out and asked for a uh, response from Southwest, and they said this was all about uh, delays. They said there was delays on Friday that carried over into the weekend, but they said, quote, as a note, the operational challenges were not a result of Southwest employee demonstrations. So who do we believe? 
Well, I, I think if you look at the timeline of a couple key events, you can draw a different conclusion, especially when you put them in context of the, the stats from other airlines delaying or canceling flights due to supposed weather. So Southwest Airlines Pilot Associations, which represents about 10,000 pilots around the nation, just filed a lawsuit a few days ago looking to get a judge to halt Southwest Airlines mandated vaccine for employees. And so while that was going on, Southwest Airlines, the the pilots, uh, they canceled what I think was something like 1,800 flights and delayed 1,800 flights over the weekend, leaving scores of people stranded. And they did publicly blame it on weather or unforeseen events. But at the same time, weather, and this is Forbes reporting, found that the, there were only a handful of flights canceled by other airlines also operating out of the same areas as Southwest. So you can draw conclusions, and my conclusion in in this commentary piece is that, uh, you know, wink, wink, it's due to the weather, but we all know what's going on. And for that, we should be thankful for these pilots taking a strong stand for individual rights over government overreach and employer mandates. So the the union, the pilots' union, has um, asked the court, in, uh, in Dallas to, to uh, block the company from carrying out this federally mandated coronavirus vaccine until an existing lawsuit over an alleged U.S. labor law violation is resolved, that uh, reported by Bloomberg. So this is an issue that's going on between Southwest and their pilots. Yes, it's a definite issue. And here's the big deception, because I think this is just getting uh, buried as the government, as Joe Biden's administration wishes it to. There is no such thing as a federal vaccine mandate for private businesses yet. What's happened is, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will recall this, President Biden said that he was going to use OSHA to issue a rule. He ordered OSHA to issue a rule that under emergency authorization, private employers would mandate onto their employees to get the vaccine. We're still waiting for that OSHA rule. That hasn't been written. It hasn't been released yet. So, you know, factually speaking, there is no vaccine mandate. What's happened is these businesses out there, big corporations, businesses in bed with the government and so forth, or just frightened corporate executives are jumping the gun and forcing their employees to get man- to get the vaccines, calling them mandates. But there are no federal mandates on this. And even if there were, they're going to be challenged in court because what gives the executive the executive branch of the United States, the right to dictate to free citizens in America. They have to take a shot. So when you look at the president over a month ago, he made that speech saying that he was going to mandate this, that we haven't seen those rules come from OSHA. Could it be that the president realizes he doesn't have that authority and he's trying to get these big companies to do his bidding for him absent any kind of government edict? 
Yeah, I, I think you nailed it, Tony. I think that's exactly what's going on. And we know this to be true because just a couple months earlier and previously, even on the campaign trail, Joe Biden was saying that he did not have the authority to mandate vaccines on free American citizens. And so this is sort of the the backdoor way of pushing the vaccine mandate by scaring people, by scaring and frightening employers into thinking they have to mandate to be in compliance. And so it becomes a mandate sort of by silent, uh, you know, government uh, policy, which it it hasn't been written yet. So we need to keep that in mind. OSHA has not yet released any paperwork on this. But it can all come tumbling down if the employees don't play along and say, unlike the employers who are jumping in line to, to mandate this on their employees, but if like we saw over the weekend, what if... What if, and I just throw this out there as a hypothetical, what if there were a national stick-out day? We're not going to get stuck, so we're taking the day off, and we brought the economy came to a grinding halt. That's exactly for freedom-minded Americans and for Americans who are concerned that these vaccine mandates are the tipping point uh, for this country to head headlong into tyranny. That's what needs to occur in this country. And that's why I commend the Southwest pilots for taking this stance. And if you look at also some other cases, there was just a federal court who ruled that Western Michigan University's college athletes do not have to take the vaccine now as a condition of playing sports, despite the mandate put on these athletes by their university administrators. So the walls are crumbling a bit, and what it takes is some resistance. Yeah, well, I think you're right, and I hope uh, we'll see more like these Southwest pilots who, who, according to Southwest, weren't demonstrating, but (laughs) the evidence would suggest maybe they are. Uh, Cheryl, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for your insights on this uh, unfolding story. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Cheryl Chumley with the Washington Times. Uh, the, the evidence would suggest that something's going on. It was about 30 percent of their flights over the weekend uh, were canceled. In fact, I was with uh, a couple who uh, got a call. Weather was great. And they got a call saying their flight was canceled and they couldn't get one out uh, even the following day. And, um, you know, I'm not a big big union guy okay i've just i've 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 seen the downside to the unions um however in this case this is one place where i think the unions could play a very key role if they're not bought and paid for by the democrats uh which generally they unfortunately they are although there are some and i think the pilots this in this case may be um if they're truly independent and they're just doing collective bargaining for the the employees as opposed to uh, being in, in lockstep with a, a party. They could push back on this and they could say, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to be a part of this. All right. Um, do we have uh, Congressman Biggs? Okay. I think uh, I thought we we're going to be joined by the uh, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. He, he was a part of a number of members of Congress that have uh, uh, written to the president about this and are speaking out about uh, what took place over the weekend. And this really, uh, it could be a, a taste of things to come. And I know as an, inc- I fly a lot. 
Okay, I fly a lot and it would be a major inconvenience. But you know what? To, to, as Cheryl was saying, to save our freedoms, I, I wouldn't mind. If even if I had this, I wouldn't like it. But even if I had to spend the night in an airport, um, or you know what, better yet, I just won't fly. I, I think we need to send a message with what we have to say enough is enough. Now, let me just restate this so this doesn't get pulled down off of Facebook or YouTube. I am not opposed to the vaccine. Okay, if you want to get the vaccine and your health provider says it's probably in your best interest because of health risk that you have, then you should get it. But I am 110% opposed to a mandate from the government to tell everyone that you have to get this shot or lose your job. And it's a shot that is relatively new, untested. We don't know its effectiveness. Look, you got lining up to get the third shot, a booster shot on top of the second one. Israel's already in their fourth because it's not working. But yet natural immunity seems to be working quite well against the uh, various the variants that are out there. But that's not even being discussed in uh, among the CDC and the Biden administration. So uh, again, I'm not against vaccines, but I am 110% against mandates. And I think we have to use what ability we have to uh, to stand up and push back on this. All right, coming up next, over 60 Republican members of Congress are pressing U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland for clarity, for clarity on his memo last week regarding threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. In a letter Thursday, members of Congress expressed support for efforts to combat criminal activity, but simply saying, where's the evidence? We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch with Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale. That's here on Washington Watch. Also, check out the website, prayvotestand.org. If you didn't make the summit last week, just go down there and look at all the archived videos. Some great stuff from last week. All right, don't go away. Washington Watch continues after this. For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans. It's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of Hope for Your Home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Do you love a juicy, sweet apple? Hmm. The sweet taste, the satisfying flavor? Well, listen to Psalm chapter 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. 
God treasures every member of your family. Do you teach your children that they're special? More than being special to you, do you teach them that they're special to God? They are to God like an apple, sweet and flavorful. In the Bible, you will find many illustrations using nature to teach godly principles. Every day you too can find things around you to use to teach about God. Just pay attention and look for teachable moments. An apple, flower, bird, or tree can all be used to stimulate your children's thinking not only about God's creation, but about His love for them. Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. Dan Celia of Financial Issues. You know, there's probably never been a more important time in our economy to be thinking about a charitable gift annuity. I hope you'll do that just to shore up, to firm up some more income, permanent income, income that you can count on for the rest of your life while you're doing the Lord's work. A charitable gift annuity has been something I've been talking about for 25 years. Finally, we're seeing even mainstream start to get on board with the merits of charitable gift annuities. I hope you'll consider it. You can call the AFA Foundation. Someone there will help you work through the details and find out whether you qualify for a charitable gift annuity. Call and speak with a representative of the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, about a week and a half ago, the National School Boards Association wrote a letter to uh, President Biden saying, quote, a growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation occurring across the nation um, are being directed at school boards, the school board members. Uh, NSBA believes immediate assistance is required to protect our students, school board members, and educators who are susceptible to acts of violence affecting interstate commerce because of threats to their districts, families, and personal safety. It's actually a pretty long letter. Uh, But in this letter, it goes on to say, and these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased. The classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. And when they categorize these uh, so-called threats and different things, and, and I mean, they call for everything. I mean, they want the Patriot Act used. They want the Ma- Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. They want an executive order to enforce all applicable, applicable federal laws uh, for the protection of students and public school personnel. And then they start to list the things that have happened. School board meetings have been disrupted in California, Florida, Georgia, and other states because of local directives for mask coverings to protect students and educators from COVID-19. Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, There was an individual arrested in Illinois for aggravated battery and disorderly conduct during a school board meeting. Who did he batter? Didn't say. Uh, During two separate school board meetings in Michigan, an individual yelled. He yelled. Uh, about the mask requirements. Um, and that prompted the school board to, to recess because, oh, actually, this was another case. Um, an individual prompted the board to call a recess because of opposition to critical race theory. Um, 
in New Jersey, Ohio, and other states, anti-mask proponents are inciting chaos during board meetings. Uh, wow. Um, they're actually calling these um, school board members names. So we need a federal task force, which is what the Attorney General, Mary Garland, issued last week in a memo. Well, 60 members of Congress are saying, what's up? Uh, we're against violence, but where's the evidence that criminal activity is actually taking place? Joining me now to talk about this is Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale. He uh, he signed on to the letter. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me on, Tony. Good to be with you tonight. So in the letter, you and your colleagues have asked uh, Attorney General Garland to answer five questions by November the 15th. For you, what is the question you most want to see answered? I want to see what, uh, by what authority does the federal government step in and start intervening on the uh, communications that are taking place between parents and school districts in, in uh, areas that he has no supervision over. I mean, by what authority have we now brought the uh, Department of Justice into the local school districts to basically intimidate parents from getting involved in what their uh, children are going to be taught? It's very disturbing and troubling to me. Yeah, and, and the, his memo and even this letter from the National School Boards Association seems to lack the evidence to suggest such federal actions are required. In fact, in the memo, the attorney general says, we've got to explore how we can do this because we don't have the authority under federal law to do this. Exactly. This is clearly a matter for local law enforcement. If someone is getting out of hand at a meeting, then that is exactly what they are there for. But if the uh, board members themselves have conducted the affairs in such a fashion that they have elevated the anxiety and the angst at these meetings that uh, the parents of these students are speaking a little bit louder to try and get their point across. I really don't think that that is a matter for local law enforcement and certainly not a matter for the FBI to go in and start investigating. From where I sit, what this looks like is just another tactic of the Biden administration to completely silence and intimidate those who might question what they're trying to do. And I don't think that there is a more important uh, obligation for parents than to make sure that they are involved in how their children are being educated and what they're being taught. I agree with you, uh, Congressman Rosendale. I, I think this is the this is typical leftist tactics of intimidation. They use the government to intimidate. Now, look, these are and, and you point this out, I believe, in, in the letter. These are public servants. They should respond to parents who pay taxes. Now, I believe parents should conduct themselves in a civil way, but what they're doing is they're taking a couple of examples and they're hiding behind that with the hope of using the federal government to intimidate parents into silence so they can continue the indoctrination of children. Absolutely, they are. I mean, even law enforcement officers go through training so that when they come into a situation that they are taught how to decrease the, the uh, energy and anxiety that's, that's taking place there so that you don't have something break out and get, and get worse. And if the folks who are conducting these meetings are doing it in such a fashion that, again, that they elevate 
the problems that are taking place, if they uh, don't allow people to speak, if they uh, basically ignore the comments that the parents are trying to make, whether it's about critical race theory or any other curriculum that's being introduced uh, to their children. We've seen in the state of Montana where the uh, school districts were starting to introduce some sex education programs that were too um, explicit, quite frankly, for kindergartners and first graders. And the Parents had to go in and make sure that this curriculum was changed. And so they have to have that right. They have to have that ability. And if there's something that is going wrong, that someone is getting too boisterous or out of line, that is what local law enforcement is for, but not the FBI. They should not be called in. And this is an intimidation tactic. And quite frankly, with the language that was inserted into that letter, uh, from the school boards association, I would like to know who helped them prepare that. Who gave yeah. them that language that starts talking about the interstate commerce clause and uh, information that would give them the ability to try and draw the FBI and the Department of Justice into this whole situation? That is really a good question. And I hope if you have an opportunity to question the attorney general, that's one that's... Uh, Congressman, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tony. Good to be with you. Thank you. All right, coming up, it's Columbus Day, and President Biden is the first U.S. president in the country's 245-year history to issue a proclamation for Indigenous Peoples Day. We talk about it next. Don't go away. Making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. Well, there's certainly a lot of economic data coming out this week as we uh, head a little bit closer to the beginning of earnings seasons for the third quarter. We're looking at NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, will be reporting. It's expected to be flat around 100. Anything above 100 indicates optimism. Anything below indicates pessimism. So we will see what happens. I would be really shocked if it just hovers around 100 and didn't dip down into negative territory, I suspect it will, particularly based on the job numbers that we've seen and the productivity numbers, the sentiment numbers, and the business sentiment as well. All of those things would indicate that we should see a number going down a bit. Job openings number comes out. We're sitting at 10.9 million job openings right now. It's expected to stay about the same. The only good news there could be if it dropped down to, oh, maybe an even 10 or below, that would be great, meaning some people are coming back into the workforce. But you know that's not going to happen based on the private sector job numbers that we got out on Friday. Cotton, yes, cotton just hit a 10-year high, and that's going to mean a lot for a lot of retailers. Levi Strauss indicated that about 20% of a cost of Levi's is tied to cotton. And if we want to really know how bad inflation is going to be, commodities are the thing to be watching. I've been saying this for months and months, as we have seen grain commodities going up about five months ago, and that is likely to continue as well. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. 
Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. A little bit later, uh, Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs, is going to join us. He's going to weigh in on what took place over the weekend with Southwest and the vaccine mandate. But on Friday, President Biden became the first U.S. president in the country's 245-year history to issue a proclamation for Indigenous Peoples Day, which, uh, well, just happens to coincide with Columbus Day. He did issue a proclamation for Columbus Day, which many states and local governments in recent years have opted to shift away from, choosing instead to honor indigenous people. Well, my next guest says that the angst toward Columbus is a, quote, a case of misplaced blame, end quote. And quite frankly, indigenous people have some good reasons to celebrate Columbus Day. Joining me now to talk about this is historian Bill Federer, author of Socialism, The Real History from Plato to the Present, How the Deep State Capitalizes on Crisis to Consolidate Control. The book can be found at AmericanMinute.com. Bill, welcome uh, back to the program. Hey, Tony. Great to be with you. All right, uh, let's uh, let's jump first with uh, go back a little bit of a history lesson with Christopher Columbus. Um, why was he sailing to the Far East to begin with? Well, the Muslims conquered Constantinople in 1453. It was Sultan Mehmet II. And this cut off the land routes to get from Europe over to India and China, like Marco Polo a couple centuries earlier uh, had gone from Venice, Italy to work for Kublai Khan. Uh, But when the Muslims conquered Constantinople, the Europeans began to look for a sea route. And so in 1498, Vasco da Gama went from Portugal around South Africa to Goa, India. But in 1492, Columbus had convinced the king and queen of Spain that you could reached India and China by sailing directly west. He runs into some islands, thinks he made it to India, so he names the people he met the Indians. So think of it. We never would have called Native Americans Indians had it not been for Islamic Jihad cutting off the land routes to India and China. But it was providential uh, because what happened as a result of Christopher Columbus uh, finding these Indians? Right. Well, you know, uh, a couple things. Number one is the idea that uh, the indigenous people were treated bad. And there were instances, and probably the worst is the Democrat Party's Indian Removal Act. Democrat President Andrew Jackson had signed it, moving all the Indians west, uh, displacing thousands, and of course, the terrible Trail of Tears. So we do apologize for the Democrat Party's Indian Removal Act. Uh, But as far as Columbus, he took four voyages. Uh, The first voyage, he now the, all four of me thought he was this close to Indians. He's wandering around, you know, Cuba with a letter from the King of Spain to the Grand Khan of China. And um, but his first voyage, he meets friendly Indians called Arawaks. And then he uh, goes back to Spain. He's treated like a hero. Uh, but then he's subject to racial discrimination. You think Columbus is? Yeah, he's Genoan. He's not Spanish. And there's a jealous Spanish bishop named Fonseca. And he's like furious that the king had given Columbus the title of Admiral of the Ocean Seas and governor of all new lands discovered. But he's not Spanish. And so the second voyage, Columbus is saddled with 2,000 get-rich-quick Spaniards and uh, 17 ships. They land uh, in the area of Haiti and have a little settlement called La Isabella that's destroyed in a hurricane. And uh, nobody had seen a storm of this magnitude before. And then they begin to get malaria. And these Spaniards are getting upset at Columbus. And then they run run into some islands with 
um, human bones cooking in pots and gnawed arms and legs. And these are the caribou. These are uh, natives from South America that would do island hopping and depopulate entire islands. They would get the, the local women pregnant and then eat the babies. I mean, terrible stuff. Um, and, you know, people would say, well, did they really do that? Well, it's interesting. In 2015, they were doing excavations under a building in Mexico City, and they discovered uh, an altar, an amphitheater, and towers of human skulls thousands of human skulls. You can Google it. I mean, the BBC did a special on it, right? And, and they said that many of these skulls were women and children. They were not captives taken in battle. And they said this is their gruesome worship of their Aztec gods. And so it doesn't seem like it was a nice paradise before Columbus came over for the people that were being killed. Um, but so this was the Caribbean. And, and the, um, now that was the Aztecs, but the Caribbean were uh, ones that were depopulating these islands. And uh, so the Spaniards are, are not happy with Columbus. He leaves his brother in charge, goes back to Spain, and then he gets ready for his third voyage. This time he gets caught in the doldrums. He's going closer to the equator, and it's an area where there's no wind. He promises if the wind picks up, the first land he sees, he'll name after the Trinity. Uh, which he does, Trinidad, makes it back to Hispaniola only to find it's a mess. The Spaniards ran off and fooling around with the women and making them fill, you know, buckets full of gold earrings. And, uh, and so Columbus pens a letter to the king complaining and Fonseca intercepts the letter, tells the king, I told you Columbus is inept. And they send over a replacement governor named Bobadilla and he puts Columbus in chains, sends him back to Spain and uh, the king and queen take the chains off. They're not in a hurry to send Columbus on a fourth voyage yet. So Columbus is laid up and he writes his Libro de las Profecias, Book of the Prophecies, where he talks about uh, that his discoveries help fulfill the prophecies in the Bible that talk about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And um, But the fourth voyage is probably the most interesting. And if we have a, a minute, I'll, I'll share that. Well, we actually are up against the break. We're going to have to... Um... Let me see when we can get you back on to finish that story, because the reality is it was Christopher Columbus that uh, opened the door for the gospel and Western civilization to take uh, root in America. And that's why we should all be grateful for Christopher Columbus. And that's why this day has been celebrated for quite some time. Uh, Bill Federer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Oh, thank you, Tony. Look forward to next time. All right. Bill Federer. Find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right. Don't go away. We're coming back. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily, but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start, or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's word by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. That's frc.org slash Bible.
Announcing AFA.net slash connect. It's the one click that will link you to so many AFA platforms. Pick and choose which updates you want to receive. Easily subscribe or unsubscribe. American Family Studio. And to quote our privacy policy, American Family Association will not sell, rent, or lease your personal information to outside organizations. AFA Journal. Make a better connection with AFA at AFA.net slash connect. Learn how to take care of yourself in the Word of God. Learn how to take care of yourself in building up your most holy faith. It's good to have people help you. It's wonderful to be in a small group where somebody encourages you, but that's not always going to happen. So you better learn how to take care of yourself. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Where Do We Go From Here? Next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as we talked about the opening of the program, Southwest Airlines canceled uh, thousands of flights, delayed and canceled thousands of flights over the weekend into today. The, uh, the company issued a statement saying that it was not the result of Southwest employee demonstrations, although evidence suggests it has something to do with the vaccine mandate. Join me now to talk about how this could be just a taste of things to come. Chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs. Uh, Andy, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to be with you. So is this uh, just a taste of what may be uh, on the horizon in the economy if we see these mandates go forward? Yeah, I think so in a couple of ways. Number one, um, you're going to see more and more employees reject this unconstitutional uh, infringement on their liberty, uh, this kind of proto-fascist way that the federal government is trying to attack them. So there's no constitutional authority. It's fascist. And the second thing you're going to see is you're going to see employers continue to lie about it uh, and make up things, whether it's United Airlines saying, oh, my goodness, guess what? We're up to 99 percent who've been uh, vaccinated now. But but people go. People leave. And how about this? How about this? Um, You've got Southwest saying over a thousand flights were due to to weather. And yet uh, you got an American spirit. United and Delta combined total of about 104 flights canceled over the same period. And believe me, the routes overlap. So if there really was weather, uh, we would have seen more cancellations from the others. 
Yeah, uh, Delta. I mean, American had like 62 flights canceled over the weekend, uh, which is a fraction compared to what Southwest had. But Southwest is the one that their their uh, pilots union is in this legal. A battle with the airline over the vaccine mandate. Now, I, I would think that these businesses would say, yeah, they're right. We're, we're being forced by the Biden administration to do this to our employees and our employees don't like it. But this tells you where many of these big business, uh, these big businesses stand. They stand with mandates. They stand with the left on these efforts. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I call it proto-fascist. They're doing the dirty work for the government. Don't forget that Biden said he was going to impose these vaccine mandates and the vaccine mandates would come into fruition by using OSHA at the direction of the, of the labor secretary who has to issue rules and regs. Those haven't been issued yet. They haven't been in the process yet. So technically, you don't have a vaccine mandate for most of these private companies. But, but nonetheless, they're still doing the dirty work um, instead of uh, fighting it like so many of their employees wish that they would uh, fight it. And, and believe me, Tony, I'm getting called by uh, flight attendants, baggage handlers and stuff from other airlines as well that are just upset. But it isn't just those. I'm getting it from people all over the country uh, who are upset at the, the way their companies are dealing with this issue instead of waiting or f- wait until it actually comes into play or fighting it. Uh, Final question for you, uh, Congressman Biggs. I mentioned this earlier. Maybe, you know, how you've had some uh, overseas, Europe in particular, you've had these uh, national sick days where people, uh, you know, just take off work for being sick. What if we had a a stick day? Uh, We're not going to get stuck. And so uh, we just uh, we're not going to do this. And just, you know, if, if everybody did that that are under this mandate, it might get the uh, the attention of the media as well as the Biden administration. Well, you're seeing some something similar. It's not as coordinated as you suggest, but uh, I see people uh, protesting um, in front of their employer's uh, place of business uh, on a more and more regular basis, and they're starting to get uh, more courageous to come out and fight this. I mean, this is the, this is, uh, no pun intended, the, the point uh, is the, is the point at the tip of the spear here, because this kind of despotism uh, can easily easily be conveyed and um, become uh, like a slippery slope, you know, like a snowball rolling down the hill, like in, right. in Rocky and Bullwinkle, and that's the problem. I I, I agree. I think this is a uh, this is one of those critical moments, a juncture in uh, in our republic as to how we respond to uh, to this mandate and as I, I said earlier i think one of the reasons we haven't seen those rules from osha is because i i think they realize they don't have the authority to do this and immediately upon those rules being promulgated they're going to end up in court so they're as you said they're using these uh, these big business lefties to do the enforcement yeah and it's a crying shame because um, this is, you go back to William Shire's uh, fantastic book about the rise and fall of the Third Reich. That is exactly how Hitler began. And then, yeah, I know if you say that, you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be buzzed off the, the planet, but here's the deal. He used private businesses to influence and pass and promulgate his wicked, wicked, um, policies. And we can't see that. We don't want to see that happening here, but we're seeing the the nascent uh, and burgeoning uh, process right now. 
All right. Well, when the left cancels you, you can come back on uh, Washington Watch. <laughs> Sounds good, Tony. I'll be back. All right. Thanks, Andy. Good to talk with you. Congressman Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. All right. Uh, I want to go back to this issue of the Biden administration. And here's the question. If they, did they really think they could silence concerned parents by threatening to get the FBI involved in school board meetings? I mean, think about this. They wanted, they're, they're launching a federal task force to look at how they can get the federal government into school board meetings across the nation. Well, I think they're wrong. Parents across the nation are not only refusing to back down, they're applying even more pressure on school boards. Uh, here's a clip from last week in uh, Fairfax County. The Biden administration just said we are domestic terrorists. This board should pass a resolution tonight condemning the Department of Justice for trying to intimidate and cancel parents. But instead, you're going to pass a resolution pushing gender sexuality clubs on students in Fairfax County. That was a clip from last Thursday's school board meeting in Fairfax County Public Schools, which parents attended wearing T-shirts reading, quote, parents are not domestic terrorists. Well, has the Biden administration only stoked a flame that was already growing across the nation? With me now to talk about the responses we've been seeing is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. So are parents pushing back on this? And is this causing greater engagement by parents at the local school board level? Parents are pushing back on this. I think that um, that it's clear that no one in the Biden administration has actually been to a school board meeting in quite a long time. I'm sure most of them have their kids in private school anyway, as is the habit of Democrats uh, to promote public schools and have their children educated in private schools. But yes, parents are pushing back significantly on this. And um, we have a, a letter on our website at frcaction.org slash schools, a sample school board letter that parents and concerned citizens can use as a template to ask their school board questions about whether or not they agree that parents are domestic terrorists or whether they agree with the National Association of School Boards. So this is a good opportunity, just as that as that parent, uh, John uh, Coca, I think his name, there in Fairfax County, is to take this letter to your local school board or send it to them. It's better to actually go to the school board meeting and simply ask your school board, do you agree with the National School Boards Association that what parents are doing is the equivalent of domestic terrorists and see what the school board says, put them on record. And then I think the next question is to ask, are you actually a member? Are you paying dues to the National School Boards Association? Because if you are, you're facilitating this type of attack on parents. And and if I'm not mistaken, some school boards and state boards have already uh, begun to feel the heat on this, have they not? They have. Louisiana and Virginia state school boards associations have um, sort of distanced themselves from the National School Board Association letter. They said that they were not consulted by the National School Board Association in the writing of the letter, 
But the school board association in the letter itself does purport to speak on behalf of the, their members and the 90,000 school board members across the country. So they certainly uh, want to look like they're representing all 50 states, uh, even, even though it seems like this is a very much a top-down sort of an operation. Now, I don't know if we have this uh, letter on the website, but if not, we'll uh, we'll get it up there at TonyPerkins.com. But the th- this is an outrageous letter written by the National School Boards Association. I mean, th- they're basically wanting to mobilize the entire federal government in any statute they can think of. And I think Congressman Rosen brought up a really good point earlier. Who coached them on this? Um, I-, I would not be surprised at all if somebody in the Department of Justice uh, you know, was was uh, schooling them on what to write in the letter so that they could interject themselves into an issue that, quite frankly, could be the downfall of the Democratic majority and their control of Congress because parents are fed up. Yes, um, there's been a there's been a letter to the Inspector General from America First Legal Foundation that um, that cites. Um, Jane and John Doe uh, in the Biden administration as sources for just that kind of thing that you're alluding to the the fact that there's this was just an orchestrated um, event that that the letter was written by design to be the pretext for doing what Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, wants to do, which mm-hmm. is to to stop parents from pushing back on school boards. Um, the the fact that they first brought up critical race theory in the letter was interesting, but they also mention and cite many examples of parents who are upset about mask mandates and vaccine mandates in schools. And I think that's really uh, what the problem is for them, is that people are rejecting this for children and um, they, they don't want those, those optics out there. They don't want those visuals. So they want us to sit down and be quiet. Well, a, a couple of action items from my perspective. One is parents is a great opportunity to look for alternatives for your children. Uh, quite frankly, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what is rotten in our public schools and the indoctrination that takes place and the arrogance of those in many cases that run it. Now, I understand there, there are some small pockets of uh, conservative schools and school districts uh, in various parts of the country. Um, but they are few and far between. So parents, uh, this is an opportunity to rethink education, how your children are being educated. But that aside, every one of us are taxpayers. Uh, And so this is an opportunity to hold those who are elected to represent you and your community. It's not just, you know, Meg, there's oftentimes people think, well, I don't have kids in the school. It doesn't matter. Those school board members, everybody votes for them. They serve the they serve the community, not just the individuals who have kids in the school. So anyone can and should show up to these school board meetings and ask about what's going on. Absolutely, we ba- the, the the value of your home is based on the desirability of your school district and the ability of your community to attract businesses, to build businesses there, and hire employees. Largely, is based on the workforce of that community, which is produced by the school system. So, this is something that everyone should be concerned about, um, and and everyone should be asking, what is the role of the National School Boards Association? Why why is there a school boards association? Association in my state? 
what is it that they're doing to educate the school board member that I elect and send to that body to do the will of the people? What is what is the need for these these uh, cogs in what I always refer to as the educational industrial complex? There are all kinds of organizations that are putting tremendous pressure on schools. We've talked about the Southern Poverty Law Center a lot and over the years, and they have a tremendous influence from their Teaching Tolerance Learning for Justice program. But organizations like the National Association of School Board also contribute to that. Uh, that formation of the agenda that is is so detrimental to public schools right now. Well, I think this is a great opportunity, just another uh, arrow in the quiver, if you will, to go to these school board meetings, ask them, do you agree with the National School Boards Association that parents who are involved and concerned about what's going on are the equivalent of domestic terrorists? And then um, you know, ask if they're funding them. If they're funding this organization with dues, and if so, ask, ask them, are they going to continue? Because I think this organization should, quite frankly, be, pay a price. If they want to go and be aligned with the Biden administration and do their dirty work, then our school boards across the country should not be funding them, enabling them uh, to do that. Organizations that have an agenda, that have a political point of view, have to raise their money from private sources, as we do at Family Research Council. And it's time for organizations like the National School Boards Association to to take their money fully from private sources and, and not be the benefit a beneficiary of taxpayer dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And folks can find the letter where? The letter is at frcaction.org slash schools. You'll find the school board boot camp video there. You'll find the FOIA webinar there. And then at the very bottom of the page is a link that uh, says sample school board letter. And it's right there. All right, Meg Kilgannon, always great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. And I encourage you to check out that resource. We've got to be informed and we've got to be involved, especially now with everything that is happening in our nation. All right, we're at the end of our program today. Let me once again leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, and by the way, pray first. When you've prayed, you've taken your stand. You know what you're supposed to do? You got it. Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.